Alrighty, peeps. This is actually happening. Here's Chronicles of a Plumber. I'm officially recording, and I say that because I'll tell you a little story. Let's bring in the bass. Here it goes. Yes. Oh, so delicious. The music sounds right. The audio seems to be okay. I've been recording for 10 minutes already. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Peeps, Kenny Molotov here in the studio. I'm doing another podcast. This is Chronicles of a Plumber. Num- number something. I don't, I don't even know what number it is. Let me let me check this out for a second. Let me go on to the internet. Um, the last Chronicles of a Plumber that I did was number nine. So this is Chronicles of a Plumber number 10. Welcome to the podcast. I have been freaking out over the last past hour because I've been trying to get this bloody system to work. Essentially, my audio was going deep. I talked to you about this before, but uh, finally, I think I got it done. And if I don't, that means at some point this is going to botch and I'm going to throw all my equipment out the window and I'm just going to be a plumber and not a podcaster for the rest of my life, peeps. I don't care how good the electronics uh, world gets. I'm done with podcasting after this. But nonetheless, good to be here. Let me tell you who I am. My name is Kenny Molotov. I am a plumber, plumbing YouTuber. I'm a professional magician. I do a little bit of music. I want to pop over to Anchor because Anchor is where I upload my podcast. If you go on to Anchor, you can see all the different apps that I go to, or sorry, that my podcast is available on, which includes Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts, and Spotify. You could also find me on iTunes, I'm pretty sure. So you can check that out as well. Lots of places. Here's one thing I want to say, peeps. Um, For the plumbing community on this YouTube channel, and by the way, this is my YouTube channel right here. This is Kenny Molotov. I still need a banner, as you can tell. Um, The subscriber that was going to help me kind of lost touch with me. Nonetheless, um, this is going to be my final podcast here on this channel. And the reason why that is is because uh, the crowd, the audience on this channel doesn't seem to all be a fan of the podcast, so it's sort of screwing up my analytics. So here's the game plan. I'm still going to keep an, a weekly podcast, and I'm going to actually make it uh, more consistent because I noticed that the numbers weren't going well on this channel. I'm going to have a podcasting channel on YouTube. I'm still going to have Anchor, and I'm going to do weekly podcasts every Saturday. I'm going to try to shoot a podcast and then upload it either Sunday or Monday because I want to get this stuff out to you guys because I do think it is actually valuable for the community that we're dealing with here. So this will be the last one on this channel. Just wanted to throw that out there. Uh, If you do want to still subscribe to my podcasting channel to hear this every week, you can either do that on Anchor. And if you go down in the description below, you'll see all the links there that you need to make sure that you keep in touch with me in regards to the podcast. But that's basically it. That's what's happening. Um, let me tell you about what the game plan is. We are going to start talking about plumbing because that's what I do on a week to week basis. 
we're going to sit down. We're going to dive into Instagram. We're going to start talking about my week. And uh, then we'll we'll see where it takes us, basically. I don't have a big theme at the end of this podcast. Um, sometimes I, I lo- like to look up articles. Actually, I found a really interesting article just now that I might try to find a little bit later. But that's the game plan. So let's talk about what's been going on. So if you go on to Instagram, peeps, I'm under Molotov Plumbing. That's where you can find me. And let's start with the first thing that I uploaded this week. I think this was this week. And it was this irritating basket strainer. So I got to tell you a couple of things that have been going on. So as of the past two or three weeks, we got called into a restaurant that we normally service And they said, guys, look, we are actually moving locations. And what they're doing is they're like moving two doors down literally into a larger space. So we walk in and we see that they did a bunch of rough-ins and they needed all the finishing done because whatever plumbers were there before are gone. So we spent the past two weeks trying to put everything to be- together as quickly as possible, um, which wasn't only this basket strainer. I'd like to show you a little bit more. If you take a look down here, um, well, if you look at the next couple of jobs after this, you're also going to see some more things that we did. I did a basket. I did a grease interceptor a few days ago. I didn't upload the picture. I got to get that out to you guys. But um, So that's basically what's been going on with that and uh, with this job in particular. So I've been there quite a bit and dad's been running around doing other service calls and I've basically been putting all the fixtures together that I could. So here's a basket strainer. A basket strainer is every time you look into a sink, that sink has a hole and that hole is where the drain is connected essentially. And a basket strainer is basically a little unit that goes into this hole that seals it around, and also it's a strainer because normally it has a a fork or or a cross in it so that whatever food or if hair goes inside, it's intended to catch it before it gets into the trap. This is a commercial basket strainer. They're tiny little guys, like this big, basically. And one thing that you got to know if you already haven't dealt with them in the past is that commercial basket strainers are literally a pain in the neck always and forever. I don't know if they're going to be able to come up with a better design than what they currently have, but let me tell you, peeps, they aren't fun. They're usually a pain in the butt, and I kind of hate them. And the reason why I hate them is because they spin on you when you start tightening or loosening them. So what will happen is, is you're trying to tighten it, but you're not getting anywhere because the entire unit starts rotating on you or you're trying to unloosen it or to loosen it, I should say. And the whole thing spins on you as well. So you need to do this thing where you back up the actual strainer. And I used to do this with snips, which isn't the smartest thing because snips are, are kind of known for damaging, uh, a lot of, um, What's the word? Uh, come on, come on. Sheet metal. That's the word. They're, they're intended to cut sheet metal, so they're kind of sharp. So when you put it into this cross and you hold it down, they kind of damage the strainer part, the cross part inside the strainer. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. I ended up buying a tool, which is a forked tool that goes in a little bit better, specifically because of this stupid little basket strainer you're looking at right here. So Anyways, I got into a fight with this thing. I won the fight, but it didn't feel like I did. And that's basically the um, the little snippet that I wrote there. 
And the reason why it didn't feel like I won was because it took me about 45 minutes to, to an hour to actually just take off this one strainer. And I had a conversation with a plumber out there, shout out to Plumber Saul, who was saying, oh man, I've been there a million times. You really got to get a grinder in there, angle grinder, I think he said, which is a tool I don't have, but my dad does have, um, which probably would have made my life a little bit easier. You would have had to deal with some sparks, uh, you, which is kind of scary for me. But aside from that, I think it's something I'm going to have to put into my toolbox and have readily available because of these things. So what I had to do was I had to literally use the snips to cut as much of this thing as possible. And then I had to bend everything inwards because the way this thing is designed is you see these threads here on this basket strainer. Well, there's a nut that threads underneath that secures it to the sink. That nut is what you use to tighten and loosen this basket strainer from the sink. Now, it's when you grab this nut and you rotate it that the entire unit starts rotating. So what I decided to do was try to fold it with, on itself inwards so that the nut wasn't on any threads anymore. It eventually worked. Took me an hour. I hated my life in that entire hour. It was absolutely exhausting. Had to get an iced cappuccino. For those of you that aren't Canadian, an iced cappuccino is the one thing that you have to go and get at Tim Hortons when you get to Canada, if you are ever visiting, it'll be worth your while. It's a lot of sugar. It's a lot of caffeine. It's amazing. And if you want to get a little bit more fancy, you'll want to get a mocha ice cap and you want them to put whipped cream at the top and then a little bit of hot fudge on the whipped cream plate. So let me tell you, that's what you got to do if you guys are coming down to Canada or coming up to Canada, I should say. And drop me a line. Let me know, okay? Especially if you're in the Toronto area. Let's meet up. What's going on? So that's why I hated my life when I did this because it took me forever. And the moment Plumber Saul saw this, I think he felt for me. I think he sympathized with my situation because he's probably been there himself many a times. Not fun, peeps. Not fun. Angle grinder. Get the appropriate tool for uh, holding this thing in place. and uh, Or snips. Or snips and a hammer. Honestly, I was going to go with the sledgehammer around the 45-minute mark. Luckily, it came off, okay? So that was <clears throat> one of the days I was there at this restaurant that we're putting together. The next day, I was doing a little bit of bits and bobs around the place, and I ended up replacing this faucet. Now, this faucet was, I think it was an original Waltec, but it was a little bit old and it kind of just needed a new one. So uh, they asked me to run out and grab this. So this guy's handle was off. And so this is a wall-hung vanity that goes into a lot of commercial buildings, basically. It's like your standard wall-hung. I don't know what the brand of the wall-hung is, but uh, they all typically look like this. And it's um, three holes. You take this faucet, which is a new Waltec which, with a longer gooseneck, which could also be used as a bar faucet by the way and you put it into the three holes as you saw before and then you have to tighten the two nuts at the bottom put in the supply lines hang the unit connect the supply lines and then finish off the drain pretty simple pretty straightforward um 
took me about, I'd say, 25 to 30 minutes to get done from front to end, which is pretty fast. I love getting through uh, fixtures like this because they're really, really fast to do um, when everything is in the right place, if you know what I'm saying. And then later on, I had to go over here and I had to do a urinal, and I was actually swapping out the urinal. I did a vlog Oh, I should say I shot a vlog about this, and it's going to be uploaded hopefully next week, uh, of both the faucet and this urinal right here. So what you're going to see here, we don't typically do a lot of urinals, by the way, my dad and I. I only recently got comfortable with this fixture because it's been about five years of me seeing them over the duration of five years. We do way more toilets than we do urinals. We do uh, way more rough-ins than we do urinals, and we don't do a lot of urinal rough-ins. Only within this summer alone did I do two urinal rough-ins all by myself, and then we did a couple of other urinal repairs. So it's not a big fixture. I get acquainted uh I didn't get acquainted with it very fast, in other words. It's not something I see all the time. So the good thing about this urinal is it didn't give me a lot of problems. See, this thing was really old, and my dad tried snaking the drain, and it itself was still going really slow. So my dad turned to the owners, and he said, look... The drain itself that the urinal goes into seems to be in, in really good shape. The urinal itself, though, is probably all uh, crystallized with um, urine or well, what's the uh, – got to get the word out. It's um, – anyways, I can't remember what the word is, um, but your urine has – a specific element in it that crystallizes over time and it essentially clogs up urinals. So dad goes, look, we it's just better to get a new one. You're going to spend a couple of hundred bucks, but we're going to give you one that lasts way longer. You know, like it's, it's, you need to start fresh with this sort of thing. So I ended up getting the same sort of urinal. I ended up, it already had a shoe. Is this called a shoe? It's called either a spout or a shoe. It's called a shoe. I think the shoe was already in it and then I ended up putting in the valve and the valve is something I used to be terrified of um, because I w didn't want to screw up the dimensions. Uh, with a lot of these fancy things, if you screw up uh, the dimension of one, you sort of have to go back and get a replacement part, which is always a little bit embarrassing because <laughs> you're going to have to blame it on somebody else. Ah, you know, the apprentice just didn't know he had to cut it later or whatnot. Um, but I put in a new valve as well, and it was working really beautifully afterwards. So that's what I did. Uh, good old urinal swap. The, the other really fortunate thing about this is that because it was the exact same urinal and it had the same dimensions, the wall-hung brackets on the wall didn't have to move. They essentially were in a comfortable spot. All I had to do was put this thing on, secure it against the wall again, put a bead of silicone, put this uh, valve on top and we were good as well. So it didn't take me too long. I moved pretty fast at this job site, which was really nice. So something interesting to tell you guys, I am doing a Q&A. I shot it yesterday. I'm currently editing it now. That's probably going to be the first video that I upload this week coming up, which is Monday. I'm probably going to upload it or tomorrow night, which is Sunday. And uh, I got you guys to ask me a bunch of questions this week because I had called for a Q&A in the last vlog, which happened a couple of weeks ago, but I didn't get many questions out of it. 
So a bunch of you saw the video, fortunately, and ended up sending me uh, a bunch of really good questions, uh, which is really important because I, I feel like sometimes in my Q&As, I answer the same question over and over and over again, uh, which is definitely going to happen. There's always going to be overlap, but I got a few questions that were different, which was nice because I wanted to bring new perspectives to the community out there. So that's good, and I'm really happy about that. Shot that yesterday, and uh, I woke up early this morning morning on Saturday to start editing it and it's looking pretty good. Um, I got to tell you guys, uh, I'm still not comfortable with the studio space and whatnot. It has a horrendous echo in here, like a disaster of an echo. So I've been spending a lot of time trying to find a space in the house that's much better with the echo. And I ended up doing that yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I found my spot for Q&As and uh, questions and stuff like that. So Fortunately, I got to work out a couple of things at the same time, but I made a complete mess in here. It's a disaster in the house right now, and we can't have guests over because of it. So that's what happened there, and let's keep moving forward. Oh, friends, friends, I see this, and it just brings frustration to me. And as you can see in the comments, we have some people that understand the pain of this. Moen shower control valves, the cartridges themselves. I'm curious if I showed you another picture of something like this before. I feel like I have. Uh, yeah, I think it was this one. Uh, the Moen shower control valve kicked my butt the other day. Yeah, 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 I did. But I didn't show you the remnants of what happened. Did I? Oh, I did. <laughs> okay, so this happens quite a bit unfortunately so irritating so irritating really really tough on the plumber man so this is a moen shower control valve which you see here okay and as you can see on the sides it has two rubber pieces uh on both sides and what happens is is it essentially as you're pulling it out those rubber pieces come off and they dislodge and they actually end up jamming the cartridge into this silly Moen shower control valve, okay? Now, the thing is, is that I got really lucky the other day when you look at this picture. And the reason why I got lucky is, is because it jammed when enough of the unit was outside that it didn't take me forever to get the rest out. But here's what you essentially have to do. As frustrating as this sounds, the reason why this entire thing looks like it's broken into a million pieces is because Kenny Molotov had to break it into a million pieces, peeps. What happens is, is you take out as much as you can because most of it's lodged in there and you literally have to take... You have to take a uh, screwdriver and then break off the rest of the pieces inside this tiny little hole here, which is the exact same diameter as the Moen shower control valve, um, the cartridge itself. So you just got to break it piece by piece until the bloody thing comes out. And I've spent 45 minutes doing this before because I wasn't able to even get like an inch of this thing out with this one i got lucky because the the first third came out and i was able to wiggle out almost two thirds then it broke then i had to get one third out which was way easier than what had happened in the past so it was a blessing even though it was a painful moment and then i have uh other subscribers out here saying yeah bro 
happens to me all the time. I can't stand them. I don't know why they do that. And I also don't know if it's me. I don't know if I'm doing it incorrectly because uh, I've seen dad do it where he doesn't get stuck like this. I think it has to do with the pulling out like this element. So when you get a new cartridge, it comes with a little white piece that you've put over the old cartridge and then you grab with pliers or a adjustable wrench and you rotate it. So it's supposed to rotate the cartridge out. I think I might have to spend more time doing that than just trying to yank it out one time because I find that's when the two rubbers on the side dislodge. Gonna try it for the future. I'll let you know how it goes basically. Um, and then this was yesterday's work. Yesterday's work was me sitting down and insulating a couple of these outside pipes uh, from a customer that we have. Now, these things uh, have heat tracers around them, and that's why it takes a little bit longer to insulate these things because you got to make sure that the heat tracer is surrounding the pipe correctly. And for those of you that don't know, a heat tracer is essentially... Oh, I hit my mic, sorry. It's essentially an element uh, that's insulated that you can put either into a floor or put over a pipe, which is supposed to draw energy and create heat so that the floor heats up or the pipe heats up and whatnot. So these pipes, from what I understand, are storm pipes that are coming outside and we're the customer is afraid that they are going to freeze on the way out uh, because of the storm water. So what you're supposed to do or what we found out is you can put a heat tracer around these pipes so that it warms up the water and keeps the pipe warm as the water's leaving the pipe. And that way the storm water doesn't get stuck inside the pipe because the pipe is constantly warm and is allowing the water to get out in other words. So uh, the customer asked us, hey, look, we have these two pipes can you please come in and uh, put a heat tracer and basically get the pipe to come out but I, I hope it works to be honest I've we've dad and I have never put heat tracers on before we think that's the best way to do it um, and that's what we heard from other people as well let me know in the comments below if you've ever dealt with something like that because I think it would be pretty interesting to know if you've had experience with this if it has worked in the past if it hasn't I wanted to jump back a little bit because I haven't done a podcast in ages and I want to go over a couple of other things that happened, which were really, really difficult. So um, dad and I did a bunch of flanges uh, in the past couple of weeks. And the problem with the flanges is that, first of all, they're not secure. And sometimes every once in a while, you're going to run into a flange that is bowed and the reason why it bows is because it's either secure and then when they tighten it they crank it really really tight so that it eventually starts molding the flange into this uh, shape uh, and what you have to do essentially is so the reason why it molds a lot of the times is because a lot of the times the flange is too low and what you have to do, the appropriate way of fixing it is putting uh, these sorts of pieces on top of it. These are essentially flange buildup uh, plastics. So when the flange is too low, the difficulty with it is, is that you're going to put a gasket on top and you're supposed to put your toilet on top of the gasket. But 
but sometimes you don't have enough gasket for the toilet to compress. So you have to put gasket on top of gasket. Now, that's not the best policy out there. The best way to do it is actually to build the flange up and only put one gasket down and then put the toilet down on top of that gasket. And that's what dad and I were trying to rectify in this situation here. The reason why the flange was bowed before was because they put a gasket down and they took the toilet or they took the flange and they tightened the bolts as, as much as they could so that it essentially turned into this bow shaped flange. So that's what dad and I had to do over here to make sure that this wasn't going to happen in the future and to make sure that when the toilet sat down, it sat down and compressed the gasket uh, appropriately. So one thing that I wanted to look at was an article that I sort of stumbled across uh, just before I started this podcast, actually. And I read it myself, but I wanted to read it with you, peeps, because I wanted to <clears> – <throat> it's definitely a topic we've talked about in the past. It's it's a common theme amongst trades. And uh, anyways, let me read it through with you guys, and let's have a short little chat about it. Okay, so this is from Robert Schwachenwald. That's a very long last name. Um, shortage of tradespeople will affect all. This is a common conversation that tradespersons have, and it's typically why tradespeople are a little bit more expensive than they used to be in their time because there aren't many of them out there. Um, a lot of people are going into non-hand working sort of things. Here's, here's the article. Let's read it. So this is by Dorothy Royal, uh, special to the tops top sale advertiser okay if you want a reason to panic other than global warming or unisex bathrooms let me give you something that will without a doubt affect each and every person out there in the next decade there's a great shortage coming not of 22 caliber ammo though that was a that was terrible and luckily is over but of something that each of us may need at one time or another in our lives. Tradespeople, yes, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, truck drivers. The day of the apprentices and summer jobs that would lead to a lifetime career seems to be dwindling. When was the last time you saw a plumber with a young person that was learning how to do the job? When was the last time you tried to find someone to do a job, even a simple addition or adding an outlet, and were told, sorry, we are booked up right now? This is not going to end. This in time to panic, people. I think that's supposed to say this is time to panic. This is time to reach down deep and contact everyone you know and beg that those high school kids start paying attention and to learn not just computer skills, but real life skills. What if your pipes burst from the cold? What happens when your outlet stops working and you can't charge your smartphone? The time to panic is now. Yes, I agree. Now, on a different note, uh, I plead with you, young people, please don't waste four years or more of your lives on a college career that won't really take you anywhere. Is this harsh? Sure, but so is a $100,000 college debt you will be trying to pay back while working as a cashier. How about learning a trade first? Then you can go to school to live out your dream as a British lip major. Plus, you can make some money to travel the world to understand what all those authors were writing about. How will this great shortage affect you? Easy in your pocket. If there are only three electricians instead of 20, you will pay higher prices, plain and simple. Supply and demand. If the framers hired to build your home learn from a YouTube video, you might want to buy a level. 
We are a society of instant gratification, and if people are no longer around to make sure simple things like cold air, hot water, and toilets that flush, we are really going to be in a jam. Remember, knowledge is power. A tradesperson can't be replaced by a phone app, and it's time to worry or time to learn. It's your choice. Dorothy Royal is the owner of Surf City Guns and Ammo, mother of two wonderful children, ringmaster of a herd of miniature ponies, and an avid member of the Surf City Writers Group and Topsoil Book Club. So, what is our opinion, peeps? Let me know down in the comments below. Do you agree with Dorothy? Is this something that's actually occurring? Um, my two cents on it is I read it, and it's a conversation I've had in the past and a very similar narrative uh, to what I constantly hear, which is trades are in demand, and there aren't a lot of plumbers. There aren't a lot of electricians. There aren't a lot of uh, roofers. There aren't a lot of et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I got to be honest, look, anecdotally, from my history, that was the conversation that happened from parent to child. It was, no, you're going to go to university, you're going to get a degree, and then you're going to take it from there. Um, so I know in in my background firsthand that, yes, that was the conversation, and it wasn't until I got my degree uh, and that I decided, look, I needed a career that I looked at my dad and I said, you got a job. What do you do, bro? <laughs> and, you know, five years later, I'm currently working with my dad and doing exactly what he does, using my hands and my body to, to build systems for people to rely on, plumbing systems for people to rely on. So it was definitely uh, it was definitely something that I noticed just in the vicinity of my life that a lot of people weren't going into the trades. I honest to God, and I mean this with all intensity and all truth, I never had a single conversation with any of my friends, none of them, about going into the skilled trades. None of them. All of them went to university and and all of them got degrees and and honestly, the majority of them don't even have, uh, don't even work in the degree that they got a degree in. Uh, so I like a very small handful actually stayed within that that career or that topic that they were learning for four years in university. So um, it's interesting, but you also got to realize that where I grew up, which was Markham, it was. And the school I went to, which was Milliken, it's like it's in the entire region. Milliken was one of the top ranked academic schools from at least it was then where uh, the majority of people that I knew went to university. And then and then a lot of them went even to further education after that. A lot of my friends went into medicine. I have like Zishan is uh He's a doctor. Uh, my friend Rami, he is a licensed chiropractor, and then now he's going to med school as well. I have another friend who went to med school in the Ivy Leagues in, in America. We had a lot of brilliant students and a, a lot of uh, a really high academic standards. So it, it sort of, I, I don't know, it, it just sort of was the way people were, were pushing their kids in that area. Um, 
And, you know, honestly, I, I think there is a conversation that is had from uh, immigrating families, you know, like my parents immigrated here and they had the same dream I think uh, a lot of immigrant families have, which is, look, um, we came here to give you guys a better life. If you don't have to work hard and, and break your back, don't go to university and try to do something else, basically. And the problem is, is that if enough people are being told to do this, then you know, those, those labor intensive jobs are the ones that are going to be uh, unemployed, you know, there, there are not enough people doing it. So like, there's a real big sense of irony that my dad sent me to university for me just to eventually end up in his truck. Uh, by the way, I got to say right off the bat, if you have an opportunity to send your kids to university, or if you have an opportunity to go to university yourself, I really think it's still worthwhile. It might not give you the return in work and, and in pay like it once did a few decades ago, but it's still really mind-opening to be able to sit down and think critically and have conversations about philosophy, about politics, about um, academic biology, etc. I like it does not hinder you to, to spread your mind like that. But if you're looking, if you're more of a practical individual, and you're looking for a pragmatic way to make a lot of money, etc. I don't think that university currently has the same return in that sense, as it once did before in history. So that's just something to keep in mind. I do not want to stray people away from university because I know if I'm blessed with children, I'm probably going to push them towards going to university as well. After they get their degrees, if they want to go, of course, I'm sure there's going to be a conversation about that. But if they go and, and they're done and they want to join a skilled trade, I, I'm all for it. And if some of them are completely adverse to, to academia and just want to go into the skilled trades or something else. Like, I, I see benefit in that as well. I don't want to throw university off the table or college off the table just because it doesn't give a return in money. If it's going to make you more intellectually capable, I, I think it's all, all for it. Get that training. Um, strengthen your mind. You know what I'm saying? I think what's really sad, I this really depresses me, is that there's a guy we work with who's who's got a master's in philosophy, and on top of that, he started his PhD. He stopped it now, but he ended up starting to teach at a, at a local college, teaching philosophy and some history. And what makes me sad is, on the side, he also does drywall work. Um, not only drywall work, he's sort of like a general contractor. He does whatever he can get his hands on. And I also went into university and I took philosophy in university. And what makes me sad is, is this man spent a lot of money, a lot of money to develop his brain. You know what I mean? And unfortunately, He's now working with his hands. And something about that makes me sad. And what makes me sad is that, you know, all that money spent on his brain, he's, he's a really, really rich, intelligent academic. But, you know, the only thing that's giving him a return in life, the only thing that's allowing him to sort of make ends meet at the end of the month is his contracting business on the side. So he gets paid comfortably, 
not comfortably. He gets paid by the college that he's at, but it's not enough to to live comfortably and carry a family, etc. So I, that's something that sort of makes me sad. I wish there was a better return in academia for people that wanted to go into it. Um, but I think a lot of people have gone into it, at least here in, in Canada. And uh, I know that there's a tremendously large list for teachers out here um, where uh, the older generation is slowly being weaved out, you know, like the baby boomers. Um, but there's a long list of, of people that came out of university that couldn't get teaching jobs, etc. So it's interesting, though, the way the market turned. And what Dorothy's saying in this here article for me makes the most sense. I mean... In reality, in reality, the blue collar, the working class, the skilled trades, this all is a standard of society, uh, you know, and we sort of keep that standard up to par and we actually um, bring that standard up as well because look, in reality, everybody in North America wants indoor plumbing, wants to make sure that they got a toilet inside. They don't have to go to an outhouse. They want water uh, whenever they want it. You know, uh, they want it at, at will, which they get. They want to make sure that it's clean. They want to make sure um, they want lights. They want to be able to turn on the lights. They want to make sure that they come home to a, to a heated room or a heated house or a heated apartment. These things aren't going to go away. These things are always going to be fundamental to our living. You know what I'm saying? That's not going to change. We're always going to need heat in the in the winter. We're always going to need to cool down the air in the summer. We're always going to need lights from here on out. We're always going to need electricity and outlets for our computers and for uh, charging these batteries, these camera batteries, and to make sure that this microphone um, is able to work and to make sure I can have a conversation with you. We are so ingrained in a lot of this. We're so ingrained with electricity. We're so ingrained with water. Um, you know, just personal hygiene, just making sure that we can take a shower every day, uh, making sure that we can boil water, making sure, you know, everything. These are the fundamental things to allow anybody and everybody to excel at what they do. Every single business, for the most part, needs electricity and water. So that means that the entrepreneur to uh, the already established business, to a Walmart, to to anything, all foundationally need to have all these things. And that's the really interesting part at at the core, which is, yeah, I think I think the older generation started telling their kids, "Hey, go do something else. Don't worry about uh, getting your hands dirty." When in fact, we need to worry about getting our hands dirty because that's the only way that the, this electricity is going to still be able to power your business or power your family or power whatever. You know what I'm saying? So, um, Dorothy, if you ever hear this, I'm with you a hundred percent. I think it's a little bit sad, and I think. I think what is happening, I do think there's a change happening right now. I think parents are finally looking at the skill trades going, you know what that plumber charged me the other day? Oh my gosh. Or you know that what that electrician charges me? Uh, you know that it's double time on weekends? You know that you get benefits? Or do you know, like, it is an, a, a very important conversation to have with everybody 
Um, I do think also that there's a conversation out there about working with your hands and almost like a stigma that if you work with your hands, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're intelligent. And I think if I'm correct in saying that that stigma is out there, I, I need to I need to say right out loud, I've met some of the most brilliant people in the world that work with their hands that are in the trades. And you meet an entire range of individuals, one from that just loves the labor part of it to people that are really actually more academically inclined, more engineering inclined, and more curious and interested in how uh, how the physics of these things occur, how the physics of the pipes occur, how the physics of laying cement occur, what's the ratio between cement and sand or rock and sand and whatnot. So you really meet a really big range of individuals in the trades where you know, you got the foot soldier and you got the guy in charge that's sort of like the planner or the um, uh, project manager and whatnot that really enjoys that aspect of it. And then you have the, the business side of it where individuals are concerned about how much money is coming in, how much money is coming out, how much we have to charge, how to get more marketing involved, how to get to the customer we don't have which customers are the ones that are actually looking for us, which ones are the ones that we need to dip our toe into sort of thing. That sounded wrong, didn't it? (laughs) But uh, yeah, so there's a very big range of things to do in the trades as well, which is something else I wanted to say. It isn't just working with your hands. There's a lot of aspects to it. And uh, I got to say on a quick little digression, I did my first very first personal quote this week where I went to a job site that wants to be built. I went to a house and uh, the owners of the house were like, look, this is what we want. Um, What are your thoughts? And, you know, without dad being there, I had to trace where the vent's going to connect. I had to make sure that we knew where the stack was going to be. There were cleanouts on the floor. And I was like, look, we can't we can't cover these up because at some point, God forbid, you have a, a backup. You need to access these. These are going to be the easiest way for you to clear out whatever is out in the street between you and the property line. Um, and and then I had to find out where we we're going to draw the water from, where we're going to connect in and whatnot. So it was like the five years of work that I just had uh, put into, I finally got to the point where I could sit back, I can quote a job, and I also can sit down or I can get there and do the job as well. And I was really proud about that, you know what I mean? Because five years ago, I was fighting with my dad to just get my hands on the tools. Now, dad's sending me out to make quotes. And it was a really magical moment even though it was uh, just an everyday sort of thing, you know, something small. Uh, Why did I get on this again? I forgot why I got on this. Oh, I think I got on this because I was trying to say there are many aspects to the job. And that's another aspect, you know, you being able to to go there and ascertain where exactly your vent has to connect in, uh, how far you're going to have to run that vent. Um, what are other options if you don't want to go with that vent over there? Um, so it's really, really interesting stuff. And uh, I think this conversation is one that's going to be had many a times. Uh, and I think that parents are finally turning to their kids and saying, hey, look, John's an electrician. 
needs an apprentice, why, why don't you join John? Um, I also think there's going to be more conversations with ladies out there. I think, uh, I think that you're going to see more trades women get into the trade, which is something that we got to get into as well. Because look, it's, it's not just a male thing. There are ladies that like working with their hands as well. And if they do and they have uh, the patience to learn the trade, get in here. Come on. Let's get our hands dirty together. Let's start building houses. Let's start building buildings. Let's take all the people of our country and make sure that they have the standards that they need in order to live. That's it. That's how it goes. So that is my two cents on that. It was uh, fun doing this. I haven't done a podcast in a while. And like I said, peeps, I'm probably – no. I'm definitely going to be changing this podcast over to another channel. So if this is something you definitely want to keep up with, uh, go down in the description below, check it out, uh, subscribe to that as well because you'll be getting the weekly podcast that I'm trying to send out to you guys. Also, go on to the Anchor website, go to your favorite uh, podcasting platform, Find me there. All these, uh, I have two, four, six, eight. I have nine different ones, including iTunes, so 10. Uh, Find me. Find me. I'll be uploading these on a weekly basis. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the support. Q&A coming out on Monday. And that's it. That's it. Kenny Molotov, guys. Let me do it. Let me do a good sign out. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.